Good morning. Today's reading is from the Old Testament, Psalms 22, and you can find it on your Pew Bible, page 464. I will read verses 23 to 31. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction or the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Today's gospel reading brings us to a turning point in Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. Some have called this text we are about to hear the hinge of Mark's gospel because the arc of the story pivots in these verses. Until this point, Mark has recounted displays of Jesus' marvelous power and authority. He has, up to this point, cast out demons. He's opened the eyes of a blind man. He's unstopped the ears of a deaf man. And he has fed multitudes, not once, but twice, with a few loaves and fish. But after this text, Jesus' road will turn towards Jerusalem and the cross. The whole tone of Mark's gospel shifts as the disciples move in this passage from Discipleship 101 to graduate-level instruction. Disciples of the 21st century, let us hear the word of God. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. As far as we are able, we open our hearts, our ears, our minds to you. Let your spirit seep in whatever crack we can open and get to work in us. Amen. Why must? Why does Jesus say he must undergo great suffering? Why must he be rejected by authorities, even by his own teachers, and be killed? Such dire pronouncements. On the turn of a dime, the wind is knocked out of the sails of these 12 disciples. They have been flying high, riding the wings of the Spirit in Christ's glory. And with these few short verses, they have plunged to earth like ducks blasted in mid-flight. Why must he suffer? Is this what God has ordained, something God requires to be the Son of Man? No. It's not as though crucifixion is a box that must be checked off as God's Messiah. Jesus has not come to earth because God intends that he be tortured and killed. That would be cruel. And God is not cruel. It is not God who is cruel. It is mortals, as the disciples will soon see. Jesus has come to earth not to die, 
but to live among us. God has come in Christ to show us how to live, not to be a martyr, but to be Messiah, to lead us in the path of life. I have come that you might have life, Jesus declares. Jesus has come to put flesh and bone on divine love and walk the path of divine love in the world. Why must Jesus suffer and be killed? Why? Because he loves. He loves like God loves. And when someone loves like God loves, he suffers. He becomes vulnerable. He risks losing his life in a world such as this. When someone loves like God loves, he does not run from trouble. He runs towards it to rescue to save. Like firefighters on 9-11, he runs up the stairs as others are running down. When someone loves like God loves, things get shaken up. Trouble gets stirred up. For divine love cannot stand by doing nothing as dark forces prey on the beloved. The rich and powerful of this realm get used to having their own way. And when someone stands in the way, some will do everything they can to get rid of obstacles. Divine love denies itself empties itself, takes on the form of a servant, sets aside its own riches and power to enrich and power the ones it loves. This is what love does, willingly, not because it is required, but because it is necessary. Love must. Peter does not like it. Peter, the voice box of the disciples through the ages, screams at Jesus, screams. That's what the Greek says. Peter prefers the glory guy, the superhero, to this Jesus. And who wouldn't I would rather preach to you about the marvels of Jesus' ministry than this call to deny ourselves, take up a cross, and follow the crucified one. I would rather preach, especially on a dreary morning in February, I would rather preach prosperity and riches, rather proclaim some secret road to success and greatness. How patently absurd the way of the cross sounds against the voices of a culture that idolizes profit and power and greatness. But I must preach this passage, and we must listen to it, lest we be ashamed of it.
This is the crux of the matter. Because Jesus never aspired to become great. He became weak so others could become strong. Jesus never sought prosperity or profit. He emptied himself so others could be rich. Jesus never claimed rights and privileges. He sought righteousness, right living. And he said the path that leads to it is the way of self-denial, sacrificial love, the way of the cross. It is a hard word to preach and hear in any age, and an even more difficult path to walk. Even Jesus finds it difficult to walk this path. For when Peter tries to dissuade him from it, Jesus screams back, Don't tempt me, Peter. This is hard enough without you making it harder. The forces of sin and evil are that fierce. And to go up against them and defeat them cannot be done without cost. Apparently, even God cannot walk the path of divine love in this human world and escape unscathed. Jesus must walk this way and follow it to its inevitable end because he loves. And disciples must understand if we want to gain our life, we must give it away. If we do not, we will lose our souls. The stakes are that high. Now, to be sure, not all of these 12 disciples will be killed. Some will live to a ripe old age and carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And through the ages... Not all of Jesus' followers will become martyrs. They will not try to be. That is not the point. Jesus does not tell his disciples to ask for trouble. Karl Barth, German theologian following World War II, wrote, One cannot try to be a martyr. One can only be ready to be made a martyr. And Jesus does not mean that disciples can never do anything for themselves. Over the course of his life and three years of ministry, Jesus took time for himself. If he was going to be able to go the distance in his ministry, he needed to do what stewards on airplanes instruct passengers to do. Put the oxygen mask on himself first so that he would be able to take care of others. Jesus chose sometimes to pull away from responsibilities and do things that replenished his soul so that he could love like God.
He retreated to spend time with the Father, climbed the beautiful hills to rest and pray. Jesus feasted with friends, joked and laughed with his followers. Jesus allowed others to care for him, to support him, to feed him, anoint him. But whenever others came to him in need, he helped them. When crowds interrupted his solitude, he did not turn away from them, but looked upon them with compassion. For they were like sheep without a shepherd, he said. He gave life to us by giving away his own. Because he loves And his disciples will try to do their best to do the same, to love like Jesus, not just their children and their spouses and their friends, but the whole blooming world. This loving will inevitably lead to trouble for them. Not everyone will welcome their efforts or even tolerate the message they bring. People will not want to treat enemies like brothers. They won't want to love untouchables. They won't want to welcome foreigners as strangers. They won't want to sacrifice their comforts to make others comfortable. People won't want to set aside their own rights and privileges to seek the common good. They won't want to see how voracious greed can twist a person into something less than human. People will be too scared to let down their guard and let this love in. Because if they do, who knows what will happen? And that will frighten them. But some will. Some will hear of the way of Christ and see the shining path that followers tread. And they will try to love like Jesus. Some husband is even now laying down his ambitions to lift up his wife's opportunities. Some mother is handing over her own fun money to her daughter so that the daughter can have some fun. Some wife is sitting by the bed feeding the husband who looks back at her with vacant eyes. Some family is denying themselves new purchases, take-out food, a trip to the movies, so that they can put money in a fish bank to feed strangers who are hungry. Still other disciples are going even further on the path of divine love, and they are risking rejection and scorn. Some are even facing death because they are loving the world like Jesus. A teacher stands in front of his students and stretches out his arms to keep them from being shot. Teens rise up and rally to keep others from facing the terror that they have endured. A Syrian doctor survives the bombing of the hospital, goes to his home and finds another bomb has leveled that, gets up the next day, and finds another hospital to work in. Yes, 
There are disciples who are following Christ's itinerary in the world because even if the path leads to trouble and we are afraid, even if it leads to confrontation with authorities, with family members, with friends, even if the path is not always clearly marked and it takes effort and time and discernment and dialogue to figure out which way to go, we must press on. For we see where other roads lead, paths of self-interest and acquisition and ambition. They lead to chaos and corruption and destruction. And on them, we can lose our souls. The stakes are that high. But listen, listen. There's one more thing. The path of denial and self-sacrifice is not dark and cheerless and dreary. In fact, it is a path dappled with light and joy. You can see the light in the faces of the one who receive Christ's love. And you can sense the joy in the hearts of those who give it. Thursday night was rainy and cold. Big surprise. The temperatures then were hovering around 34 degrees. For nights such as these, we have arranged for bridge care for our community meals guests. The meal is over at 6, but the night shelter at a local church doesn't open till 9. So rather than send our guests out into the rain and cold, two disciples of Jesus have been on call to come and stay with the shelter guests. Bridge time. In the senior high room or in the library, they provide a place of warmth and welcome until around 8.30. So on Thursday at 5.30, one on-call disciple texted, are we on for tonight? She was aware of the temperatures and ready to come out in the rain. This week, one guest, one woman, needed bridge shelter. So I called the other disciple on the schedule. She was bright and willing though I could tell she was in the car heading in another direction. In fact, she and her husband, turned out, were headed to dinner. She had gotten the nights mixed up, an understandable mistake. I assured her that we could manage and she should go on to dinner. Instead, her husband turned the car towards Wendy's drive-through and she soon showed up at the church door. Disciples of Jesus do things like that all the time. I've seen you. So in the library for a couple of hours, the three women hung out. For a while, they watched part of a documentary that our guest had selected off the shelves. But mostly, they just chatted through it. Around 8.30, Carter was driving back from a meeting, so he swung by the church to offer the woman a ride to the shelter. As she was getting out of the car, she paused and said to him, I hope your night has as much light shine on it as you have shined on me tonight. 
And after a moment, she added, those women made me feel like a real person. Do you not think that her eyes shone as she spoke? And do you not think that when those three disciples heard her comments, they felt like a real person themselves? This is the way it works. When we love like Jesus, friends, as you and I listen and engage in the debates that roil about us now, important, complicated debates, the critical question, indeed, perhaps the only question for us disciples must be, where does the path of divine love lead us? If we have any hope of finding our way through the forests of darkness, we must listen and pray to discern the path of divine love together and ask for the clarity and the courage to follow wherever it leads. For that is the only path that will emerge from the darkness and bring us as real persons into the light of God's life. The stakes are high. We really must. Amen. Let us pray. Lead us, Lord. Lead us in your righteousness. Make your way plain before our face. Thank you for loving us like this to the end. Amen. Let us stand and say what we believe and use Paul's words to the Philippians. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, glory of God. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.